0: Good morning, everybody. It's great to have you with us um, on a a day that I think is going to be the beginning of a historic season for us in the life of Frontline, and um, so I love when I can get up here, and I feel like we've already met with God, and so uh, thank you to the team just for leading us so well this morning into the presence of God, and I want to jump in this morning. Um, This is not just a a sermon series, as we've said. This is the beginning of a season of prayer and fasting, and so I want to begin with a question. And uh, I, I posed this question on Facebook earlier this week a, a, on a Facebook Live video in, in case you had the chance. So I'm hoping that some of you have seen it and have already come with this question. But, but here it is. Uh, where in your life right now do you need a breakthrough? If you think about your life, where do you need a breakthrough right now? Uh, where are you at a crossroads? Where in your life do you have a need that is just too big for you? And you need God to move in your life. Uh, whatever that is, if you can identify that in your life, I want you to hold that before God as we talk this morning. I want you to literally just sort of bring that before God even as we're, we're jumping in. And this morning is kind of the introduction to this sermon series. We're just going to look at two verses this morning as we jump in. Uh, but to set the table for where we're going, uh, in the New Testament, the New Testament of the Bible begins with the Gospel of Matthew. And the way Matthew tells his story of the life of Jesus, he begins by saying, well, Jesus is born... And then immediately Jesus goes down to Egypt for a period of time. And then Jesus is baptized. And immediately after Jesus is baptized, he goes out into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights of fasting and prayer where he's tested and tempted by the devil. And then, right, it's not until after that 40-day period of time that Jesus begins what we know of as his public ministry. So it's it's not until after that time that he begins preaching about the kingdom of God and healing people and performing miracles. That all happens after that time, that 40-day period in the wilderness. Now, Matthew was speaking to a group of Jewish people. They were actually Greek-speaking Jews that he was writing his gospel to. Uh, so as Jewish people, they would have known the story of the Old Testament very well. In fact, they would have seen it as their story. It was the story they had lived in. And in the story of the Old Testament, it tells a familiar story. It begins with God going to a guy named Abram and saying, Abraham, I'm going I'm to make you the father of a great nation. And so the nation of Israel is born. Then they go down into Egypt for a period of time. And then they are rescued through water. The parting of the Red Sea. And then immediately after that, they go out into the wilderness for 40 years where they are tested and tempted. And it's not until after that 40-year period of time that they enter the promised land and that they actually are able to go in and take the promised land. So, So Matthew's original audience, when they heard the story that Matthew was telling about Jesus, they would have instantly seen the connection. And they would have instantaneously said, oh, this Jesus is... He's retelling the story, our story, the story of Israel. And so for them, the question wasn't so much, is Jesus going to succeed? Is Jesus as an individual going to overcome the testing, this time of testing in the wilderness? For them, the main question they would have been wrestling with was, is Jesus going to succeed on behalf of all of us? Because if Jesus can overcome, if Jesus can succeed where we fail, where humanity has always failed, where God's people who were called and set apart, even they failed, if Jesus can succeed where we all tend to fail, then that means that in Christ, in Jesus, we can overcome too. And that's the seeds of the gospel. That if Jesus can, can overcome in this time, in the wilderness, then in him, in Christ, we're overcomers, too. We're people who can overcome, too, because of what he did. And so I want to jump in this morning. We're just going to look at two verses, the very first two verses of Matthew chapter 4. And we're going to just set the stage for where we're going for the next, um, for the next 40 days as a church. And so it begins this way. It's right after Jesus gets baptized at the end of uh, Matthew chapter 3. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days... And 40 nights he fasted and he became very hungry. So those are the first two verses that set the table for where we're going. So I just want to draw attention for a moment. It says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit, where? (laughs) Into the wilderness? Right off the bat, that sentence should should grab your attention. I I thought God, I thought the Spirit of God was only interested in leading us into places of Abundance and happiness and comfort all the time, right? Isn't that the story you've been told? Prosperity all the time. That's the story we want to believe. But this story begins with Jesus being led by the Spirit of God. It's not like he went there on his own. It's not like some circumstance put him there. God put him there. Jesus was led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness for a time of testing. Now, notice it's not God that tempts Jesus. God doesn't tempt us, but God does lead Jesus into the wilderness where he is tempted by the devil. What's interesting, if you go two chapters forward in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples, and he's teaching them how to pray. And as he teaches them how to pray, there's a sentence from this prayer, and if you grew up Catholic, you called it the Our Father, some of us called it the Lord's Prayer, but as he teaches them this prayer, he says a line that he teaches them to pray, And the line is, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from. The only reason Jesus could teach his disciples to pray that is because he'd done it. He'd lived it. Here in chapter 4. He had gone out into the wilderness, and he had overcome evil. And so he teaches his disciples to pray because he believed they could do it too. As his disciples, because of the fact that he had overcome, he believed they could do it Too That when they found themselves in in times of testing and temptation, they could overcome evil as well. And so uh, the the question that I want to wrestle with here at the beginning of, of this time is this. Does God lead us into wilderness seasons in life where only he can deliver us? Does God himself, does he actually lead us into wilderness seasons in our life where only he can deliver us? Does he still do that? into seasons of life where we're in the wilderness, meaning there are needs in our lives that are just too big for us, where we have no way to, to do it on our own, and where he's actually wanting to meet us in that moment, that meet us in the, in the places of our lives that are the, the darkest places of temptation and testing, and that's where he actually wants to show himself and show his glory to us. Does God do that? Does he lead us into these sort of wilderness seasons and put us in positions where we need a breakthrough. And it can only come from Him. And only He can deliver us. If I could, I want to talk about Frontline for a moment. I want to talk about our church. Um, Frontline has some needs right now. For those of you who are newer or have just come in the last couple of years or, or so, uh, you may not know kind of the full story of our church. We actually moved into this building in 2006. We bought it from Meyer. This was a Meyer office uh, warehouse building. And when we moved on, we were told something about the roof that is right above your head right now. We were told that that roof was put on in 1994. Um, Now, it's a flat rubber roof, and so we have known for a period of time that that roof is nearing the end of its lifespan. Uh, We're running on 25 years or so with this roof. We have also known for a while that the cost of putting a roof on a 100,000 square foot building of this kind is hundreds of thousands of dollars. So that's the kind of thing we've known for a while. And so uh, what we began doing, our leadership team and, and uh, as, a, as a church this past year, we began to just kind of say, okay, we need to investigate what kind of shape is the roof in? Now, just so we're clear, it's good right now. It's holding up right now. I mean, we get a few leaks here and there in the, in the winter, which, but that's normal for a building of this size and a roof like this. So right now it's intact, but we began to say, okay, where are we at? We need to know. And so uh, we did, we worked with a company. Don't expect me to explain the technology of this. I don't understand it. But we did a thermal scan of the roof. And so go ahead um, to the next. This is a picture of um, the thermal scans that was done on the roof. So this is our building. This is the 100,000 square foot. There were seven sections they did. Uh, they, broke the, they broke it up and do these thermal scans on. And uh, no surprise, the roof is at the end of its lifespan. But uh, these, these five green circles that you see here, uh, represent areas of our roof that are urgent. They're areas that are, uh, we need to do something about now. And there's a number of different options of how to replace it, but, uh, but basically if we don't do something soon about these urgent spots in the roof, then if they, that, if they begin to fail at that place, then the cost goes up and up and up um, of what it means to actually have to, to fix the roof. I just want to be very, very clear about this. Uh, we don't have money to do that to fix the roof. Now, uh, something else I want to point out about this uh, roof. Um, in case you didn't know, uh, we kind of like this this red center line here. We are mostly sitting on this side of the building. Our children's ministry is over here. You are sitting somewhere, you know, right around here, inside the building. And so in 2006 when we moved in, 2007 I became the lead pastor, and and one of the things that we discerned from the Holy Spirit, and I I felt very strongly about that God was leading us to do, was to kind of hold on to this side of the building, Um, because someday it was going to be a community center that was going to give back to our community. And so as we began making plans for this building, and actually making plans to fill out this space, we purposely filled out most of the ministry space on this side of the building, and we chose intentionally not to finish out this side of the space for ministry purposes, and we also didn't sell it off or lease it or anything like that to make money, but we said we feel like God is calling us to hold on to that because eventually someday, if you would have talked to me in 2007 and said, what's the, what's the plan for this building? I, all I would have said was, it's going to be a community center someday that's going to bless our community. I couldn't have told you any more than that. That's literally the amount of detail I had on it, but that's what I would have told you. Uh, in case you didn't know... 2016, 10 years after we moved into this building, the storehouse was born. And you're going to get to hear a little bit more about that later on in this message, but 10 years went by and then it began to happen. And so the storehouse has been operating, it's its own nonprofit in this side of the building, and we give them that space, and uh, it is booming. Tens of thousands of people have been impacted over the last two years through our, our partnerships with nonprofits in the community. We're going to be having 75 shipments, I'm told, over this next year of semi-trucks coming in with product that is going to go out and continue to bless our community. The essential store that takes care of personal care items is there's 300 people a month with membership coming to that now. Uh, our biggest problem is we just can't keep product enough, you know, on, on the wall. It's, it's just it's just booming and God is moving and it's been powerful these last two years to see what's going on on that side of the building. And I'll be honest, a lot of you do not even know that's been going on. That's been happening. So when I saw this picture, what I immediately noticed was these five green circles, uh, mostly on this side of the building, the community center side, the storehouse side of the building. And instantaneously me, here's the thought that went through my head. I'm just going to be as honest as I know how to be. I thought to myself, wow, After 10 years, it took 10 years for God to finally get, you know, begin the work of this community center. And man, it's going, praise God, people are being impacted, it's growing, things are happening. And now because I as a leader did not have a plan for the roof, because I didn't lead us to get out in front of that, it's all in jeopardy. Uh, This picture, even right now, as I look at it, creates an incredible amount of pressure inside of me. As, as your pastor, as your leader. It just does. Around the same time this picture uh, came out, uh, Corey Post, our worship pastor, um, began to say to me, and Corey's just doing such a phenomenal job uh, with our team and leading worship. He began to say, hey, Brian, I need you to know our sound system uh, is at the end of its lifespan, And just to be really clear on the sound system that's here in this building, uh, man, Robert and the team just do such a great job making it sound uh, as good as it possibly can every week. But basically, think of our sound system like a 1986 Honda Civic that's got 275,000 miles on it, okay? That's what we're dealing with here. And it still runs, and it still sounds good, but that's where we are, okay? It's not, uh, we're not thinking it's got a lot of life left in it. And so, again, both of those things for me just created a tremendous amount of pressure. And so, my response to that, out of that pressure, to be very honest with you, is I immediately began crafting a fundraising campaign. Uh, I began immediately thinking about how do we create like a fundraising campaign and just, it's urgent, it's it's now, we got to call everybody to it. And... I hated it. I didn't really want to, but it was like, man, we got we to get on top of this. And so I began talking to a consultant, and here's the truth. I didn't even pray about it first. And, and I didn't pray about it not because uh, I, I didn't want God's help or something. I didn't pray about it because it didn't even occur to me to do that. It was like, we've got these needs. We've got these issues. This is what you got to do. Start putting together a fundraising campaign. And I just started going down that road. And so what happened is, as I began to bring that plan to our leadership team as a church, and just so you know, and again, you probably don't know this, so I'm telling you a lot of things if you're a part of Frontline that you probably don't know, over the last two years, um, we have moved, our leadership team has moved from being um, just kind of a, a group of decision makers to being a spiritually discerning community for the church, so we've kind of redefined the role of the leadership team in our church. And for the last two years, we've been pursuing, what does it mean to pursue God together as a leadership team and, and to become a spiritually discerning community? So our, our goal is to basically hear from the Holy Spirit for what God wants for the church. That's a move we've been making over the last two years. And so what happened, very honestly, when I brought this whole plan to the leadership team several months ago is they said, stop. <laughs> stop. Stop. Uh, we're discerning together from the Holy Spirit that that is not our next move. A fundraising campaign is not our first move. When we look at these needs, when we look at what's in front of us as a church, immediately launching into some sort of fundraising, that is not what the Holy Spirit would call us to do. And so uh, we began saying, what is our first move? And so we said, well, in Scripture, when God's people had a need, they came before Him. And so we said, our first move as a church is to humble ourselves and to seek God together, come before God together and fast and pray and seek him for what his solutions might be to this. Because to be very honest with you, right now the sound system is working and right now the roof is not leaking. And who knows? I mean, I, there, there's any number of ways we could approach how we go about navigating this. But the, but the Holy Spirit seemed to say to us uh, as a team, stop, slow down and call everybody just to come before God in this way together. And so what we're beginning to understand is a need like these, needs that I just expressed to you, really, they're small things for God. God could fix those things like that, honestly, if he wanted to in some miraculous way. Uh, The need itself is not the, the big thing. The need, we're understanding, is just an opportunity for us to have our faith deepened and our dependence and our trust in God strengthened. I I truly believe, standing here before you today, that God wants to use these needs to deepen all of our faith, to increase all of our trust, to take us all as a church into a deeper place of trust and commitment to Christ. I think that's what he wants to do with this. And that would not have been my discipleship plan for you. Can I be clear on that? But uh, strangely enough, we had already, I I had come back from my study break ready to do this series, had no idea what, that it was going to be attached to some 40 day of prayer and fasting thing but it just began to come together and this thing just began to gain momentum and energy and so here we are today today begins 40 days for us as a church praying and fasting and so here's uh, I'm going to answer a question that I think is in your mind right now Uh, at least if I were sitting where you're sitting this this would be the question in my mind maybe it's just me but but I believe the question is probably in your mind right now is wait a minute am I being asked to give to this am I am I supposed to give So I'm going to try to answer that. We've talked about how to answer that. Now, obviously, if we go through this 40-day period of praying and fasting and seeking God together, and if God tells you to give specifically to these needs, the roof and the sound system and that sort of thing, then, of course, we're going to welcome that. We're not idiots, okay? (laughs) Okay. And there may be some of you uh, who are... Maybe some of you are a business owner and you're in a different place than a lot of the rest of us. And maybe as we fast and we pray over the next 40 days, God is going to speak to you to come alongside the the storehouse and partner with them in a very tangible way around the roof. And if so, praise God for that. Um, But the reality is we can't have all of you... If you look at the bulletin today, we are $63,000 behind in our operating budget right now. If all of you today just switch your giving over to the roof we won't have a need for a roof. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, it'll tank us. So I just want to be really, really clear. If God leads you to give, great, but that's actually not the ask. That's not what I'm asking you to do today. What I'm asking you to do is simply this. These are some things that feel too big for us. The roof feels too big for us. Maybe you have some things in your life. Maybe you have something in your life right now that feels too big for you to. Maybe you've got uh, something that you need a breakthrough in. Will you? And this is this is what I'm asking you to to do. Every single person at Frontline, will you commit yourself today to humbling yourself, seeking God with us, fasting and praying, and, and seeking Him for His guidance and His solutions? Will you do that? That's the ask. Now, if your answer to that is, um, no, I don't really want to do that, that's fine. You're still welcome here. We still love you. But the rest of the sermon probably isn't going to apply to you very much. Uh, if your answer to that is yes, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll join you. My family will join you. We'll humble ourselves. We'll pray. We'll fast. We'll seek God for the next 40 days. If your answer to that is yes, then the next question I want to just sort of pose before us is, so how do I pursue God for a breakthrough? What does that mean? what does it mean to pursue God for a breakthrough during these next 40 days? As you think about whatever that is that you're at a crossroads with and that you need a breakthrough in your own life, and as you think about us as a church, as a body, as a community, where we need these breakthroughs, what does it mean to pursue God for a breakthrough? So I want to go to, those, uh, to that, those two verses we just read, and I want to set the table for where we're going a little bit uh, as we look at this passage in Matthew 4. Matthew 4. And so there's a couple things that Jesus did to pursue God for a breakthrough that we see in this uh, passage. So the first thing is fasting. Jesus says fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. Um, Now fasting may be a brand new idea to you. Maybe you've never tried it before or maybe you've tried it and it hasn't gone very well or something like that. But fasting is one of the least uh, practiced spiritual disciplines in the church today. And so fasting, basically, the reason Jesus is fasting is is he's denying his flesh and denying his ability to provide for himself in order to allow God to enter into that place in his life and prepare him for what he's called to do. In fact, it was a time of preparation where God granted him what he needed for the next three years of ministry that culminated in his death and resurrection. And during that time of fasting in the wilderness, there are three areas of temptation um, Go ahead to that next one there. There are three areas of temptation that Jesus faced. And we're going to unpack each one of these three over the next few weeks. We're going to spend time in each one of them. Uh, The first one had to do with physical needs. The temptation we'll see next week was to turn a rock, turn these rocks into bread, into stones. Jesus is hungry after 40 days. And it's to satisfy in his own power, in his own way, those physical needs. The second temptation had to do with the approval of people. So jumping off the top of the portico was the invitation of Satan, and, and there was a Messianic prophecy that angels would come and catch him, and he would be proved by the Messiah. If you get up on the roof of the, the portico of the temple, there's a huge crowd of people that draw, and they all get to see you, be, you know, be confirmed as the Messiah. So it had to do with approval of people versus approval of God. And the third one, the third area of temptation had to do with escaping suffering and growth. What Satan actually offers in that third temptation, we're going to see together, was an opportunity to... Go around the cross. God's plan for exalting Jesus led through the cross, through death, through resurrection. And it was basically an opportunity to go around that and have it now. And you can see how that might apply. Here's the point I'm making. These three temptations, the reason Jesus faced them is because these are the three. They're the three Israel faced in their time of wilderness wandering. And they're the same three temptations all of humanity faces. They're the same three temptations you face in your life right now. So as we think about fasting, look at that list, those three things. Which one of those is lighting up for you right now? Which one of those three things as you look at them, do you instantaneously, is there one that instantaneously jumps out? (laughs) Maybe all three jump out, I don't know. But is is there one of those that immediately jumps out? Here's what I would ask you to do. Pray and seek God, discern what the Holy Spirit might want you to do, maybe what you need to fast from has to do with one of those three things. Whatever it is that's lighting up for you right now, could God be calling you to fast and set that aside and, and let that need go unmet and so God can enter into that place and you can depend on him more? That might be one of the places that God wants to move in your life. Um, if, and so if you need more help with fasting, all of you, hopefully when you walked in, we're given uh, one of these. Every week we're gonna have this. Our team has put this together, our discipleship team, and so it has not only a, a scripture journey, which we'll talk about in a minute, but it has a prayer challenge, a fasting challenge, and there's also some, some suggestions of what to do with your kids. So we'd love for you to do this as families. To actually, uh, every week there's going to be another one of these set out. And just, and just journey with us for the week. I think it would be amazing if we're reading the same scriptures together and we're engaging in fasting together. And maybe what you're going to fast from is, is unique to you, or maybe you're, you're going to take some of the suggestions that are here and use them in your life. Um, But here's the point of fasting or the goal of fasting, if you could go to that. I just want to be really, really clear on what we're doing when we're fasting. The goal of fasting is not a better self, but a surrendered life. I want to be really clear on that. The goal of fasting is not a better self. It's not to lose weight or to improve yourself in some way. The goal is to get to to a place of surrender, full surrender to Christ. That's the goal of fasting. Another thing that Jesus did in the wilderness is he engaged with Scripture. Jesus actually uh, quotes three passages of Scripture uh, from Deuteronomy when he engages in the, in the wilderness with the devil. And in fact, uh, Jesus and Satan both are adept at Scripture. They both seem to know. We thought about calling this series Satan Loves the Bible, just uh, to be provocative, but we decided against it. Um, Probably a good choice. But uh, they both know the Scriptures, and they both quote the Scriptures, but there's a difference between the way Jesus engages with Scripture in the wilderness and the way that the devil engages with it. Uh, First of all, the devil quotes Scripture out of context, and so twists its meaning. We've talked about this before, but that's actually exactly what he did to Adam and Eve in the garden well, when he approached, he actually didn't, the, uh, the serpent never said anything new to Eve in the garden. He just took the words of God that God had spoken and he took them out of context and twisted them. And he does the same thing to Jesus. And he did the same thing to Israel in the wilderness. And he does the same thing every single day of your life to you. And he, so he twists the words. But for Jesus, the way Jesus engages with scripture is he uses scripture as a guide. He uses scripture as a guide where he, he literally comes open and he, and he begins to seek out what is God's will for me. What does God want from me? And he uses scripture in that fashion. In fact, it's kind of funny, Satan at one point, and uh, we probably won't share this, I'll share it now, he quotes Psalm 91 to Jesus, but he stops at verse 12, and he doesn't quote verse 13. And it's kind of funny, he's taking it out of context. The reason he doesn't quote verse 13 is because verse 13 talks about how when the Messiah comes, he'll trample on the head of the serpent and the cobra. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? I mean, it's, it's one of those funny moments you realize, oh, he didn't mention that part. And so uh, that's what we're gonna see is that um, basically Satan wants to use scripture as promises to be exploited for my own purposes. How do I get God to work for me? And Jesus is, I wanna actually seek God's will. I wanna know him. I wanna know what he wants for my life. So Satan's goal throughout this 40 days, it was certainly his goal with Jesus. And I believe it's gonna be his goal for your life in the next 40 days if you engage with this. His goal is gonna be to get us to exert ourselves and act unaided from God. That's going to be his number one goal, It's to get you to just exert yourself, solve the, whatever is happening in your life in your own power, and act unaided from God. The last thing I want to mention, I want to bring up as part of this 40 days, is as, uh, stories. Obviously, we're engaging in a, in a story that has roots in another story all the way back into the Old Testament, and really is the story of all of humanity. So one of the things we've said is, we, our assumption is that God is going to move in your life in these next 40 days. We just believe that. That this is going to be a season and a time where, where the Holy Spirit is going to move and, and things are going to happen. And so we want to hear stories. And we want to hear those stories and collect them and have a way of sharing them with you so that it encourages all of us and, and kind of builds all of our faith as we hear how God is moving. And so we would love for you, our team said, if you can go to frontlinegr.com forward slash wilderness, if God does something or if he speaks something to you, if you have a story to share, please don't rob us of the experience of celebrating that with you. Seriously, that's part of this journey. We want to know the stories that come in and what God does, so please uh, take advantage of that and let us know um, what God is doing in your life. Um, Speaking of stories, I want to actually uh, allow a story to be shared with you a little bit right now, and so I'm going to invite Jessica Johns to come forward, and just to give you an idea as she's uh, coming up here who Jessica is, Jessica has been a part of Frontline for several years now, and she served for several years on our leadership team as a church, during years where we were trying to figure out what to do with the community center and all that sort of thing, and in 2016, uh, it was Jessica and Nora Reuter here, here somewhere. Uh, hi, Nora. Uh, and uh, God just uh, worked through both of them to found and to begin the storehouse. And so um, there, were, there were years of kind of wondering, what is that space going to be? Very frustrating moments, uh, where uh, you know m- many of us, I think, wanted to just give up. Um, but I'm just, I just want to say publicly for everybody, Jessica, I'm so proud of you and the way uh, you are leading the storehouse and the work that's being done. It's so clear God has anointed you to do that. And so thank you for not only being a part of this church, but for answering the call to do that. And uh, can we just welcome Jessica? She's going to share a little bit. So,
1: Thanks, so cool. Brian. I'm just going to read this because otherwise I get really long-winded. So bear with me for a minute. As many of you know, the beginnings of the storehouse were the roots established through the creation of the Hygiene Pantry. This pantry was started after working with Necom, North End Community Ministries, and recognizing the need for personal care items. About a year after the Hygiene Pantry opened, God gave me a dream about starting a community center, and eventually connected and partnered me with Nora Ruder, who had the ambition and desire to act boldly on this vision. After many talks with World Vision and Frontline, we came to the conclusion that we would set off on our own with the sponsorship of World Vision products and the sponsorship of space through Frontline. The storehouse became official in fall of 2016. Over the last two years, we could give you lots of numbers that we measure. Over $3 million of new donated items and more than 50,000 low-income people in our community have been impacted through the nonprofits and schools that we partner with. Those numbers may not mean anything to you because they may seem intangible. What might mean something is hearing that God has used the storehouse to spiritually impact our volunteers who now say things like, I have a sense of real community when working at the storehouse. I have purpose because I know that I'm valuable or that my marriage was actually on the rocks and is now thriving through a shared passion we have in serving people through the work at the storehouse, as well as many, many who have found purpose after retirement by giving meaningful hours of work. These are some things that we truly celebrate at the storehouse. Along with stories of spiritual impact, we have had very literal answers to prayer for specific needs as well. Listed now are some of these things that we have brought before God in our prayer time at the community, as a community at the storehouse. We've prayed for pallet jacks, racking, forklift, volunteers, community support, grocery carts, ink cartridges, tea kettles, refrigerators, a whole cafe, a doorway, a new door into the store, into the warehouse, donated electrical work, semi-truck loads of school products that we were at one time short on, bikes, funding, and so much more. I'm going to pause really quickly because the running joke now at the storehouse as we get things in is, hey, did you remember to stop praying for that? Because we prayed for a refrigerator at one point, and now we probably have 50. So it's kind of a funny, funny joke. There are numerous other kinds of stories through our community partnerships with groups like Pregnancy Resource Center, Bethany Christian, Family Promise, and about 50 others. They tell us that they too were in prayer for specific tangible items they needed, that, they were able, that we were able to provide thanks to a God that knows our needs and is bigger than any obstacle we face. When the scriptures tell us to knock and seek and we will find, I believe that we are finding true purpose and what God really wants for our lives. He wants us to live changed lives through the miracle he provides outside of our control. He wants us to live to share those stories with each other so that they too can believe in God who performs miracles that only he can. I could list all of the many needs that we have at the storehouse. When Brian first talk, talked to me about this, he was saying, you know, hey, a lot of these spots in the roof are over the storehouse. You know, what's a, you know we're discerning as a leadership team that we're going to be you know, going into this time of fasting. And I was so excited to join a church that believes in a God that can do something like fix a simple roof that to us seems beyond our control. When the scriptures, I'm sorry, I could list all the many needs that we have, but instead I am choosing to say God knows our needs because the Bible tells us he owns the cattle on every hill. His resources are infinite. So the way this translates for you might be God saying to you, instead of knocking and seeking and demanding things like, God, I need money to fix my car, I need money to pay a bill, or I need uh, you to intervene to mend a relationship, he is challenging you to set aside your agenda and say this 40 days, God, I choose to seek you with a whole heart. I'm going to set aside my needs, not because they're gone, but because I believe that as I do what the Lord is asking, seek me first, and then I will add these things unto you. God will fulfill your needs. I am choosing to join frontline and believe that as I fast over the next 40 days, God promises to line up my path, my priorities, and he will walk with me every step of the way. I choose to believe that as the miracles that miracles will come, but almost certainly not going to happen in the way that we think. Our God is so much bigger than the box that we often put him in. I believe God put me in charge of the storehouse in this vision because of my faith. I have very few tangible and specific skills, especially following my notes. I have never run a business, never had employees, never managed community relationships or anything like that. However, that is exactly why God put me in charge of this. He wants to keep reminding me daily that he doesn't want to give me these vast skills. He wants to keep me reliant on him so that he alone gets credit for the work that gets done by the people who are equipped with these skills. All I am to do is share of his faithfulness over and over. I want to leave you with one of a hundred stories or more that move me each day to continue to grow the storehouse. One of our affiliate members to the storehouse is a nonprofit called the Dream Center. The Dream Center spreads the gospel by delivering mattresses to those in need. As they have done events and connected with the community in different ways, they met a man who loves to cook, cook and he provides all of his services as well as food for free to the Dream Center. That man had prayed for a smoker grill. At the storehouse, we had a huge smoker grill that had sat for months with all of us scratching our head, wondering which nonprofit could possibly use this. However, God knew one man who had a heart to help people and that this was his specific need. I don't know this person, nor have I ever met him, but God knew this man's need, and he used a route that I'm sure that man never dreamed about. Like I said, this is one of a hundred stories of the way that God has performed miracles, both at the storehouse and through us. I am so excited to be relieved of the pressure of how to figure out how God will accomplish his will. And all I have to do is pray and believe. I'm going to end with this last little bit, you know, as it explains why Brian had me come up here. And I would say it's because I truly feel like I'm always humbled just saying, God, I don't know what I'm doing over there. How do you keep growing the storehouse? How do you keep providing the the perfect people, the perfect volunteers, the perfect community resources that are allowing this thing to grow. And I believe fully that it isn't because he wants to give me specific skills. He's, you know, at one point I was thinking, do I go back to college and get a business degree? I'm trying to plan. I'm a planner. And so God said, no, all I want you to do is keep sharing these stories. And so I'm excited today because I know that the roof will be fixed in a, in some miraculous way and that the sound system will be Um, And that my specific prayers and the breakthrough that I need in my personal life will be something worth celebrating. And it'll be, and as I share those stories with other people, just like you're going to do when God works in your life, God's going to use that to bring faith to people that you don't even know the work he's going to do. So thank you.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Jessica and Nora, and for the leadership you guys have provided. Um, So uh, where do we go from here? The band's going to come back up uh, now, and I just want to say we're going to conclude this time uh, of prayer and fasting. December 12th and 13th, we're going to do 24 hours of praying and fasting and um, of, of praying together, actually. Like, we're actually going to have somebody praying in this building 24 hours, and we're going to invite you to sign up for that as a way to kind of culminate. And there will be a worship service attached to that, and there will be stations all throughout the building, including in the storehouse. Uh, but I would invite you to go to, that, uh, to the storehouse's website to learn a little bit more about it if it's unfamiliar to you, if it's, a, it's new to you, what's happening there. And um, just begin to enter into this time. And so here's um, my last thing I'll say to you before we, we close in prayer and spend some time worshiping to launch this season. Um, I don't think this is gonna be a comfortable process. If you, I really don't. I think that there's gonna be moments um, uh, that are gonna be challenging and maybe kind of uncomfortable for us. And so uh, it's really important to engage throughout the series with this. Be here on Sundays. Um, there's something about uh, journey through this together when, we're, when we come together as the church. It encourages and builds us up and allows us to, to have the strength to go through it together. This isn't the kind of thing you do in isolation, if that, if that makes any sense. So make it a priority to continue online connecting with us, continue to uh, journey together, and then be here on Sundays. And then this is the final thing I'll say. I think the, what I think, feel like God was wanting me to say was the, the biggest temptation I think we're going to face throughout these next 40 days is going to be a temptation to not approach this from a place of faith, but to approach this out of our past, maybe you've tried something like this before, or maybe you have been scared to try it or were told you shouldn't try those things, that's not for today or whatever. It's gonna, our temptation is going to be to approach this from our past or from our own limitations with, with that in mind. And so here's the final challenge I think we're just supposed to hear. Don't tell God what he can or cannot do in this church because of your limitations, Okay. Do not tell God what he can or cannot do in your life based on your own limitations because he is not limited by the things we are limited by. And so with that, would you stand? I just would love to offer a prayer and then we're, gonna, we're just gonna go for it together here. So Lord Jesus, echoing what Jessica just said, we recognize this morning that you are the God that owns the cattle on a thousand hills and your arm is not short. There is no cry of panic coming from the throne of God this morning about a roof, about a sound system, or about a diagnosis, or a loved one that's gone off the rails, or a financial need, or an impending divorce. You're not freaking out. So this morning, God, we come before you and we humble ourselves and we repent, God, of the ways in which we have made it about us. The ways in which we have exerted ourselves with the assumption that it's all on us, the pressure is on us, and we've got to figure it out. And just even in that, believing without faith that we can solve our problems better than you can. So to the God who can do immeasurably more than anything we could ever ask or imagine, we seek you this morning. Would you speak? Would you give us Uh, what we need in this time, in this journey? Would you meet with us in a powerful way? Would you speak to us what you want to say to us? Not what we're wanting to hear or expecting to hear, but what you want to say. And give us ears to hear and eyes to see what your spirit is doing. We love you, Jesus. It's in the risen and resurrected and powerful name of Jesus. Everybody said.